1: What's up, everyone? Welcome to another Roto-Grinders podcast, a weekly preview with TJ and the Looch. I'm Justin Carlucci, alongside of TJ Lasig. What's going on, TJ? How are you? How are we doing? Doing doing pretty good on
2: this Monday here. Had a crazy high-scoring week, I would say, across all of our teams in in GFS. I mean, Lockett going off for 50 Plus DK points, and the, it was nice to have the, the late-night hammer back in true fashion, getting that, that Sunday night game on the main slate. I, I, I kind of enjoyed it. I thought it, it was just a, a throwback to, to a couple of years ago when, when that was the norm. But, uh, yeah, I think there, there's a lot to We had the, like we said, that, that late game, Seattle-Arizona. We figured it was going to be a high scoring game going into the week and it turned out that when everything was said and done, that was pretty much the game that you needed to have a, a stack from in order to win any of these tournaments. So we can can get into that a bit. But yeah, overall overall pretty good week.
1: Yeah, when you have a bunch <laughs> it was it was a little bit of a rough ride for me and I'm one of those guys that scored a ton. And, uh, you know, you see a lot of people complaining on Twitter, Oh, I scored 170. You didn't cash it. I mean, it was what it was. I mean, you had guys over 10% going absolutely ballistic. You're going to need both of them to make a ton of money. And even if you had one of them, I mean, I'm sure there's people that maybe had Devontae Adams and not Lockett probably didn't cash. Right. I mean, Tyler Lockett saw 20 targets last night. 20, crazy, 20 targets. Um, so, yeah, I mean, really the recipe here was you needed Lockett. You needed Devontae Adams together to take things down. And, man, what, what a barn burner. Russell Wilson, 50 attempts throwing the ball. We did see Chris Carson injured earlier in the game. But you know, Carlos Hyde came in, looked like the workhorse a little bit there and uh, had the lead at halftime after half. But what a, what a shootout this turn in. You know, Kyler is incredible, pure athlete, doing his thing. Now, Hopkins continues to just pretty much beat up on anyone that's in front of him. We talked a little bit about that, too. And DK Metcalf, five targets, two catches in a game where Seattle scores 34 points. Is this just a, a, is this just a case of the coverage was really good on him? And you know how, how can you explain this one? What's up with Lockett seeing 20 targets and, and Metcalf five?
2: Yeah, you almost wonder if, <clears throat> I mean, Peterson was all over. Metcalf right and and maybe he was just shutting him down and and he couldn't find a way to get open but I mean every time you looked up it was it was Tyler Lockett getting targeted and the majority of the time catching the ball it it was really something I mean the, the most memorable play from DK Metcalf was when he chased down that interception all the way down the field and then made that tackle which was was impressive in its own right so yeah, I mean it's and right. I think the the two or three weeks before this, Metcalf was the one getting more volume and more production than Lockett. So it really is going to continue to be a bit of a guessing game with those two going forward. And yeah, I mean you you could you could double stack them too. I mean, I I was saying before the show, I in one of my FanDuel GPP lineups double stacked Russ with Lockett and Metcalf, and it's just like man. Metcalf just kills the lineup right it's when so many different people are going off like we have in GPPs you you pretty much need to be perfect to to win and we we were talking a little bit about it before the show we touched on it I think last week on the pod as well just this concept of game stacking and I mean it continues to to for the most part Show up each and every week. That that the winner of these tournaments has some sort of game stack, right? I was just spending some time going through results DB here on Roto Grinders, and and a lot of the winning lineups that I'm seeing are, are Kyler paired up with Hopkins, sometimes paired up also with Kirk, and then of course having having Lockett on the way back there, and it just creates so much correlation in your lineup that when a game goes off like that does, right, somebody out there is going to have a game stack. So unless you think that there's a week where none of these games are going to go off, but I mean, in today's NFL, we're almost always seeing one game go for 60, if not 70 plus points on a week to week basis. So I personally am going to continue to, in my own lineup, build, I I don't build the GPP lineup anymore without game stacking personally. I just think it's the the right way to go about it. Again, it it minimizes the number of things that you have to get right. If the thing that you're trying to get right is that this game is going to to, to shoot out, and then you pick different pieces from the game in a couple of your different lineups, then hopefully you just land on that winning combination. But just wanted to to touch on that, and, and you know if you're out there listening and and aren't employing game stacks in your GPP builds, I would definitely take some time to to reconsider that strategy because it's it's pretty much the only way to win tournaments every single week granted it's possible to get there with a bunch of one-offs but for the most part game stacks are what's going to do it for
1: you yeah we've seen some gpp winners on FanDuel with with a couple of maybe two player total team stacks and maybe not running it back but we talked about the differential differences between sites and you know, FanDuel is more touchdown dependent you know there could be a, a week where there's Seven games with a 50-plus total, which is kind of not too crazy anymore with how, how quickly these offenses are and the, the crazy amounts of snaps everybody's getting off. But there's going to be some weeks where there's not. So when you see a bunch of lower totals, you know, I'm definitely more prone to having more players from one game that I think is going to do the damn thing. And, you know, we keep talking about every week these quarterbacks with rushing upside and just Russell Wilson at 84 yards on the ground last night. Think about it. That's like an extra 200 passing yards. It's like hidden, right? You can think about it that way. If you think about it that way, it's almost like Russell Wilson threw for almost 600 yards last night if, if you turn that into how many you know, DK points it would have been. So it's just insane. And you have Kyler on the other side, 60 yards and a score, I think, he had. So it's, we're, we're hitting on the same things here. And you're going to see the, the pricing is reflecting that. All the guys that are rushing upside typically are towards the top. I'm looking at DK pricing, which is thankfully out. Mahomes against the Jets. You would have told me Kansas City scored over 30 points and Mahomes was not a factor. I would have called you crazy, but that was a strange game and uh, Kansas City kind of blew the doors off. Denver and Mahomes wasn't great. wasn't great. Didn't have to do a lot. Didn't have to do anything really, but he got Russell Wilson at 78. You know, Aaron Rodgers has just been on a mission and he has a little, bit of a minor rushing upside himself once in a while of course you got Lamar against Pittsburgh 74 Josh Allen at 7k so you know a lot of guys who can gain those points with their legs and obviously Herbert 6900 finally getting getting some love and what what a tear he's been on Justin Herbert so same things game stacks quarterbacks are rushing upside it's kind of the new the new norm in that sense and uh you know Russell Wilson is I guess you could say kind of was a blueprint of of things to come for years. And just the way he's been able to extend plays and rack up those fantasy points. And now we have what, probably a third of the league quarterbacks with some rushing upside now. And look at Josh Allen and what Cam Newton, I guess Cam Newton is, was a blueprint of that too. And man was he bad this week too, by the way. But yeah, so it was a crazy game last night. Kudos to you. If you had a ton of Tyler Lockett exposure and, and you likely needed it, but on the flip side, What's the injury news from the Cardinals, TJ? Kenyon Drake gonna miss some time?
2: It is time for Chase Edmonds season. I mean, I think that we've all been waiting for it. I'm sure people will be taking their their Chase Edmonds best ball victory laps on Twitter. But I mean you just watch the game and he just he just looks so much more explosive than Drake. More dynamic, very good in the passing game. I think it's a, a plus I mean, obviously, you never want someone to get hurt, but I feel like it's going to make the Cardinals' offense as a whole more dynamic if if they're going to be running out Chase Edmonds as as that every down kind of guy. I, I'm not sure off the top of my head who they have behind him going forward, but yeah, it sounds like I think they're on bye this week, the Cardinals. Yep. Mm-hmm. But once they come back from bye, uh, I, I maybe it's a good thing they're on bye. Otherwise, we would have had like 5K Chase Edmonds that would have just been the smash draw this week, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with his price when, when they come back. But I mean, he's definitely, you saw it last night, handed up with what seven targets chase Edmonds got in that, that game last night. So I think he's going to bring a ton of floor ceiling combination with his role in the passing game, with his dynamic play making ability and, and in that offense with Kyler. So, yeah, I think Drake and Odell Beckham and Chris Carson are really the – I'm not sure if we have affirmative news on Carson, but Odell Odell sounds like he's done,
1: right? For the yeah, we'll get, the to, we'll get to Odell and another – I think those
2: were the big injuries the, this week.
1: Crazy Vegas game. High Vegas total and it delivered in Cleveland. We'll get to Odell and company momentarily. But if, it feels like Chase Edmonds has been around forever and he's only 24 all the da- A couple of David Johnson years where everybody's like, well, yeah, watch out for this kid, Chase Edmonds. And you're right, he's explosive. I think you're going to see uh, even Kyler run out of the gun some more with, with a back like him who's uh, elusive. And you know Drake is pretty much kind of just a gasher, right? So that could really open up even more for the Cardinals. And hopefully DK and fans will both adjust the pricing um, to what it should be. Otherwise, we're going to have a 75% Chase Edmonds week coming up in a couple of weeks. But, yeah, Beckham, you know, unfortunate news coming out of Cleveland. They won a thriller but lost their best receiver in Odell Beckham Jr. It was at a confirmed ACL, and which could open the door for, obviously, some targets, some air yards. And it's not like Beckham was having the craziest season, but he was one of the guys I talked about. Uh, who statistically had the biggest discrepancy in air yards to yards, which is, just shows you how inaccurate Baker really was. And, man, did he start off this game on the wrong foot? I remember checking the his numbers in the first quarter. He was like 0 for 5 with a pick. And I was like, oh, boy, here we go. But it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Um and what a game that turned out to be from a fantasy point production side and had some tight ends scoring. You know, maybe Jarvis Landry started stepping up in the future. Kareem Hunt was pretty good. So what are your observations from that one, TJ?
2: Yeah, I think, I think Kareem Hunt is looking great. I think he was a great play last week. Will continue to be a good play going forward. I think his price stayed pretty much flat. I think he's maybe 6900 going into this next week where they'll be – home against the Raiders. So I think that's a pretty pretty good matchup there. And that's someone I have my eye on early is Kareem Hunt for next week. Just has has such a big role right now in this offense. He's getting work in the rushing game, getting work in the passing game. Let's see, he had 18 carries for 76 yards, also had four targets in the passing game, playing a ton of snaps. So I think that Kareem Hunt is – and will continue to be the the number one person that I'm looking to in this offense. And then, with with Beckham out now, it's about the the second level of receivers. So, looking at their target share from this past week, you had Rashard Higgins and Jarvis Landry both with six targets. Harrison Bryant, tight end, who I guess was playing ahead of Njoku or, or they're splitting time a bit, but Harrison Bryant ended up getting five targets and, and getting into the end zone twice. So, he was obviously a super off the board play this past week, but maybe he's someone that that will gain some potential steam going forward. I mean, we've been struggling a bit with the the tight end position all year. There's just not not a ton to love week to week. So let's see. It looks like he's 3,200 again next week in that matchup with the Raiders. So. Nothing I'm dying to go to there. I mean, yeah, like you said, oh, Beck- Beck- Beckham just wasn't as big a part of the offense as you think, so it's not like there's massive, massive amounts of, of usage to go around. I- I'd personally give the, the biggest bump to to Hunt, and then you've got Landry Higgins, Brian, and Njoku. We'll kind of see how that plays out.
1: It could be a case of Baker just not being that good again. Beckham had 584 air yards. And Landry had 358. He was the next highest on the team. Uh comes out to here. Air yard market share 35% for Beckham this year. Landry yeah. was at Landry was at 20%. So yeah, yeah but Kareem Hunt, they brought him in to passes. Last year, I know he didn't play a full year, but he was on pace for over 70 cashes last year. We know his you know he's diverse. And when you're when your guy's struggling to throw the ball down the field, what's he gonna do? Check it down and go to the tight ends, right? Um, I guess it's worth noting that Richard Higgins has worked his way back into fantasy football relevance again, as he does from time to time. Twenty uh, percent of the market share in the game against Cincinnati. So, we'll have to check. You know, check out for some updates here. And like you said, you know, Cleveland has two tight ends now, which seem to be in the picture as well. So. This is the thing, TJ. They're, they want to be a run-first offense still, right? So, I guess it depends on game script and, and what you think is going to happen. And definitely nice matchup, just first look for, for Kareem, like you said, out of the gate.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, definitely something to, to have our eye on there. Off the jump, high total in that game, too, I think. Yeah, 54 total, Vegas, Cleveland. So, I think – Hunt's going to be a, a premier go-to option there, and uh, yeah, we'll just have to to evaluate those those passing options. It's going to be one of those games where we're getting a lot of those, right? These these games with super high totals where it's not super clear off the jump of who's going to get the fantasy production. And I think that that Cleveland-Cincinnati game is the perfect example from this past week, and they they certainly delivered from a fantasy perspective, I think some some of the Joe Burrow stacks were were doing pretty well in tournaments until that Seattle-Arizona game kicked in. So they're a interesting team to keep an eye on. And to me, jo- Joe Burrow – Burrow and Herbert are kind of emerging as the, like, second tier of dual threat quarterbacks, right? They're obviously not on the level of a Kyler and a Russ – but they come at a cheaper price tag and they don't bring the same level of upside Although the, they're starting to show that they do, right? I think they both they have like 38 and, and 41 draft games points each this week. So Bengal stacks is something that I think is going to continue to, to interest me just because I like Burrow. I like Higgins. I like Boyd. I don't love AJ Green, although he's, he's continuing to be involved. So, I mean, you can certainly play AJ Green. And then, obviously, last week we had the, the Gio Bernard chalk that opened up. And we'll have to monitor what and what status is going to be coming into to this week. But, yeah, we've got the Bengals against your, your Titans, which is another high total, 54.5 points there. So, the Titans are a, an offensive football team now, right? Like, I feel like defense first running the ball with Henry but it seems like maybe they've got a little bit of a of a identity switch happening in front of our eyes.
1: Yeah, and it's hard to to see that when you when it's been the other way around for so many years the ball just didn't move in Tennessee from Jake Locker to Mariota, you know, you go you even go back when Hasselbeck was a placeholder, you know, 8 or 9 years ago for a while. So never thought Ryan Tannehill would be the guy to, to turn it around, but it's, ha- it's happening, and it's a thing. And as bad as they played in the first half against Pittsburgh, you saw what this team could do in the second half. You know, they had to honor Derrick Henry's run game no matter what his numbers were, because if you don't you know, step up and stop the run, he's going to kill you. you know, and A.J. Brown, the yak monster, hit a little play action slant over the middle, got them right back in the game, and that's what A.J. Brown does. Amazing that A.J. Brown and Metcalf played together at Ole Miss, and they had five wins, I think. That senior season, uh, I don't know if it's a testament to poor quarterback play or how good the SEC is, but any NFL team would have been lucky to have this duo together um, as Ole Miss did a couple of years ago. But, yeah, there's five games with 50-point totals or higher right now and two more that are 48 or more. So half the main slate looks to be pretty offensive friendly. You're Looking at Titans-Bengals, That, that that's a good game to stack. And I think ownership won't even be too crazy. You know, Bengals, Titans, and where's the ball going to go? But I, I, I think it's a good game stack. We talked a little bit earlier about the game stacks here. You know, T. Higgins is in play, obviously, as well. I know you mentioned a couple of these guys. And uh, A.J. Brown or Henry on the other side, you know, take your pick. So uh, I, I think that's a really, really good call there and um, could be borderline sneaky. Um, mm-hmm. To, you know, moving forward here, um, you know, people are still going to be hesitant to kind of hit the button on Joe Burrow, right, uh, on a slate where there's a lot of uh, talent and in, in higher-priced quarterbacks. But that's a game where there's going to be a lot of points. You look at Roethlisberger's numbers, he was attacking the outside. You look at his pass chart, everything was outside against the numbers. You know, the Titans are still missing a Dory Jackson, and you know, they're rolling out Ty Smith and Jonathan Joseph. Like, this team can be exploited on the outside, and uh, I, I think we might see a shootout between those two teams. Yep.
2: <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, looking at the numbers here, Boyd and A.J. Green both with 13 targets last week. So, Boyd catches 11 of them. A.J. Green only catches seven of them. I mean, man, it seems like the the completion percentage when throwing at A.J. Green just has to be horrendous on the season. But I, and the volume's there. But yeah, I, I think Boyd is still the the big dog in that offense. And I just think Higgins has more upside than Green, even if Green's getting that volume. So, yeah, interesting interesting game to stack there. And then I think another higher, higher total that we have here is Minnesota at Green Bay, another 54-and-a-half point total. Green Bay sitting at six-and-a-half point home favorites. And, I mean, until, until Tyler Lockett went off in the night game, it was all about Devontae Adams early on, right? I mean, he he came back and and came back in a big way in his usual role. 16 targets, caught 13 of them, scored two touchdowns. I mean, he's just clearly the the premier wide receiver in the league right now. DraftKings very quickly bumped his price tag up to I think 8800 now. So we we were able to get him at at 7900 last week not going to be the case this week but still think that he he has to be in consideration the the target share the volume I mean that that's where Aaron Rodgers is looking and it's it's just a tough guy to cover and they're going to be looking in in the red zone he can he can do it all Adams
1: yeah, you go back to week one, there was over 70 points in this game, the same matchup. Usually you think of division foes and their ugly, ugly games, but Rodgers had 364 and four touchdowns. Adams had 17 <laughs> targets that game, two scores. That was with Lazard and with Aaron Jones. Interesting, interesting. Uh, in Dalvin Cook, I saw a report that said, I'm like 99.999% sure yeah. I'm going to play kind of thing. So that, that's integral news here. That's integral news. I think it's interesting, though, because if people are, like, really game log hunting, I'm, I'm, I'm wondering where they're going to go. Because in week one, Adam Thielen had a really nice game. Two scores, eight targets, 100 yards. Uh, and Justin Jefferson, you know, first game of the NFL. Because it was, was pretty much irrelevant. Um, the last time Minnesota took the field was against Atlanta a week ago already where Jefferson was the leverage play, had 41% of the air yard market share. Um, Which 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 is interesting because the previous two weeks Thielen dominated. So here here's a team where I want a piece of, but I don't I like you in my eyes I just I can't rationally full stack them together with cousins because cousins just doesn't do enough, right? But one or the other are usually in a decent spot. This is gonna be a good game environment. You would think the game script would would favor them to, you know, have to keep the pedal down. So I'm definitely going to take a hard look at either getting Thielen or Jefferson on my teams. And it's hard to put your finger on, on, where, on which, which one of them it's going to be. I mean, they're combining for about 70% of their air yard market share numbers. It's ridiculous in the air. But, you know, you look through every game this year and one of them has pretty much hit value. And uh, pretty much every game, so I'm I'm really conf- like torn on how I feel about these Green Bay corners, Jerry Alexander, Kevin King. I'm so hot or cold on them from week to week. One you know, one week the group plays really well, and a lot of buzz about how good Alexander was in the offseason moving forward, and he is good. But for me, it's just t- you know. And then the next week, they gave up like 30 or something like that. But they're coming off uh, a game where they got shredded against Tom Brady and company uh, the previous week, right? Like that was just a total abomination um, and like we, Deshaun Watson I know we talked earlier he kind of backdoored a decent game but you no know, Fuller and Cooks didn't really go nuts so I'm just I'm a little like on the 50-yard line on how I feel about that Green Bay secondary but either way you know obviously Adams gonna have a lot of ownership in this game I'm sure Jamal Williams price uh, will be a, reflected on on you know his usage and role is he like 61 on DraftKings I think or something like that <laughs> yep yeah up to 6, 6100 now Still a decent price. Minnesota's been struggling defensively. So, you know, I can't really fault anyone for, for going back there. Um, any, any thoughts on the Viking side of the ball? I agree with what you said. I mean, I think
2: it comes down to, to Thielen and Jefferson. Their prices are starting to come pretty close together, right? So Thielen's at 7,200. Jefferson's at 6,500. A lean Thielen just because I think that there's more more consistency and, and the uh, larger sample that we, we see there. So uh, I also a fine play and I'm also on board with what you're saying in terms of not necessarily loving the quarterbacks in this game, right? Like I, Kirk Cousins. I mean, I, I just, I don't have a ton of interest there and I think Rogers is a great play, but I mean, Rodgers is 7,600. He's the third most expensive quarterback on the board and like we've said it's just it's hard to win tournaments without these dual threat quarterbacks so to me about game stacking and correlation right it doesn't always have to be the full game stack with the quarterback right you could you could stack up another game and then put Adams and Thielen in a lineup together and those two pieces are just give you higher upside combination in your lineup so that's probably more of a direction of where I'd be looking to go obviously if you're playing Adams and Thielen together not the the cheapest combination of wide receivers so you'd need to to pair it with a a smaller stack but that's that's kind of where I'm at with this game in general and yeah I think Jamal Williams 6100 is probably about a fair price for him at this point I mean he got his nineteen carries it's last week. So he, he was pretty much a, a full on workhorse. Dylan mixed in a bit, but not a ton.
1: Two things to piggyback off that. I take back my statement about Aaron Rodgers having like slight rushing upside. I just I guess I'm like still in en- envisioning Aaron Rodgers like five years ago, who who was running a little bit like when he had to. But he, he's not. So that that's my bad. That's my bad. I think he has like 45 total rushing yards this year. But the last three <laughs> games he's played, he's thrown for 11 total touchdowns, which is just insane. You know, that clunker at Tampa Bay. But also, like, his schedule, right? He's played Minnesota. Like, they've been bad this year. Detroit, bad. New Orleans, generally pretty bad against the pass and a good game environment. Atlanta four touchdowns 300 yards The Tampa Bay that defense has really stepped it up you know people are talking about it Winston's not putting them in bad not putting them in in bad situations anymore like he was last year Uh, and then Houston who Ryan Tannehill shredded and now he threw for four scores so uh, he's playing incredible football but outside of Tampa Bay I don't see a defense in there that uh, that scares me and and Minnesota doesn't I'm I'm not saying they do by any means but I get what you're saying here you know the price is up and Another thing we talk about sometimes is, you know, some people are afraid to play a running back and a receiver from the game, same game on the same team and not use the quarterback. But you know, I, look, I, look at it, I look at Minnesota, and I wouldn't be shocked if, if Dalvin Cook and either one of those other receivers uh, were in the winning GPP lineups because, let's face it, Cousins doesn't have to throw the ball at Dalvin Cook. I mean, it's that simple. Um, it, it might be, like, more of a price thing. If two players are very expensive, it is tough to play them together you know, we talked about the Seattle-Arizona game last night, and they were rightfully very high and rightfully so. Um, but, you know, Jamal – You know, and on the flip side, like I said, Jamal Williams, 6K, and Adams, you know, they could both get it done, but maybe Aaron Rodgers only throws two touchdowns and isn't in the optimal team, right? So uh, it is a – you know, a lot of things to take into consideration there. But I will say Justin Jefferson for GPPs is, is kind of – people might see the price and be like, well, I don't know if I can pay 65 for Justin Jefferson, And he's sandwiched between Tyreek Hill, Kenny Galladay, Tyler Boyd against the Titans, and the Cooper Cup, Robert Woods against Miami, and Keenan Allen, uh, you know, coming off a huge volume game. So might be able to get a little, you know, some decent ownership on Justin Jefferson. What do what the industry people call it? Sticker shock when the price is yeah, kind of at the level? it definitely
2: is sticker shock looking at a 6,500 Justin, Justin Jefferson. But, I mean, he showed incredible ceiling. So you can definitely go there. And, yeah, back to Dalvin, I mean, I think he's a, a fine play as well. Just looking at the running back position in general this week, I mean, you, you have Kamara at the top at Chicago. Not not the greatest matchup for him, but, I mean, I, I feel like Kamara had, like, a terrible game last week, and he still gets 23 points. So, like, to me, Kamara is going to get points no matter what, but 8,200 at Chicago's. He's, he's a bit steep there, so I don't think he's going to be as popular as he was this week. Hunt at 6,900. Certainly sticks out. We've got CEH, 6,500. <laughs> the the Chiefs are like 20 point favorites, I think. Yeah. I feel so, like the last time I saw a line this high was when uh was it the, they lost. I think it was like the, the Vikings were like 24 point favorites over the Bills one year and then just like crushed everyone's survivor pool dreams that's what that reminds me of but yeah obviously there's big news there with with Le'Veon bell being on the chiefs now uh i think he what he got he got six carries last week what did what did their snap yeah he had six
1: carries but edwards hilaire had eight
2: (sighs) yeah that was just (laughs) a weird game like the chiefs didn't have the ball right they were just I mean, we saw some, some Chad Henney. We, we saw Chad Henny play. Yeah, I mean, that, said. <laughs> I don't think that we can really learn anything from that game. And, yeah, the, the weather it was whatever, too. Just a strange <laughs> game. But, I mean, 20-point home favorites, I think CEH has to be in play, even, even if Bell's in there mixing in. Um, oh man,
1: EH still has upside. Oh, I'm just seeing Le'Veon's price for the first time. This is like yeah, historic. This is historic. We're, we're witnessing hit history here. What did you say, backdoor Le'Veon Bell stack revenge game? Oh, you just said a lot of my favorite things. Oh, I thought that's what you said, T J. Ah, oh. that's exactly what I said. I mean, I don't hate it. Let's see. I can't believe they signed him. I mean, I I guess like it's 2020. We've seen some crazy stuff, but I just I didn't see it coming. I didn't see it coming.
2: No, definitely not. And now we've got uh, we've got Antonio Brown.
1: Oh, yeah. Heading to
2: the box, right? We didn't get or to
1: talk about that. Supposedly heading to the box. Tom Brady just has so much pull wherever he goes. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you saw the Bruce Arians quotes over the summer when they were kind of throwing it out there, right? He's like, oh, there's no room for this guy kind of thing. Well, guess what, Bruce? Someone went over the top on you. I don't know who it was. <laughs> but, man, can we free my guy Scotty Miller? Scotty Miller put on, he had like 100 yards. Yeah. I touted him like two Thursday night showdown shows ago, and he played like 40 snaps and didn't have the cash. So sometimes I guess you just need that motivation, right? So I know this is like a funny narrative, but Antonio Brown going to Tampa Scotty Miller was like, I got a ball out or they're going to kick me off the team. CEH went off last week after the Le'Veon news. He had like 160 yards. Just, just some, you know, funny narratives to kind of talk about here. Yeah, Le'Veon Bell, 4,600. I don't know. They're projected to score like 30-something points. You never know. He could dump one in. I'm not saying play Le'Veon Bell, guys, but I wouldn't be surprised if he had like 50 yards and a touchdown or something in this game. We'll see. Definitely.
2: There's going to be plenty of plenty of ball to go around there.
1: So, How about another 425 game? We talked about Seattle. Just so to tie it in with Seattle. They're playing host to the Niners – in a fifty four point total game, four twenty five this coming Sunday. I mean, do you like an angry Russell Wilson? And nine, the Niners are tough. I mean, what a tough division the NFC West is from top to bottom. What are your thoughts on this one?
2: Yeah, I mean I think that I think that Seattle the offense is so good and the defense is so mediocre that they're almost always in play. And and yeah, I know that, that San Francisco is typically one of the teams where you say they have a strong defense, but I don't see them being able to do much to stop Russ and company. And yeah, on this, San Francisco is always a tough team to figure out. I mean, all of a sudden this week, Jeff Wilson is just getting like every carry and every snap and McKinnon's hanging out on the sidelines. Like, I don't think any of us saw that coming. So for me, when it comes to San Francisco, it's pretty much always Kittle or Bust. Uh, I just think that the other spots, it's so difficult to predict what Shanahan's going to do there. So if I'm looking at this Seattle-San Fran game, I'd probably be looking at a Lockett Kittle or maybe even a Russ Metcalf Kittle. Again, I I think for tournaments, it's it's always a smart move to go with whichever of the two between Metcalf and Lockett is not getting the chatter, not getting the ownership. Yeah. If somebody tells you that they can predict on a week-to-week basis which of those two is going to go off, that's not true. Like, there's just – there's no indicator to determine one way or the other, but I could almost guarantee you that one of them is going to go off, I think. And they're they're too expensive – it's too expensive to play Russ Lockett, and DK Metcalf together. So, but again, even you, you get to a, a Russ Lockett or Metcalf and Kittle, I mean, even that's expensive. So, but like we said, I said the same thing this time last week about the Seattle-Arizona game. I said it's a great game to stack, but it's an expensive game to stack. But the people that that paid the money to stack it and found the pieces to fit around it elsewhere, those are the people that won tournaments. So I think that, you know, we can't be afraid to, it may seem like we're overspending to stack a game, but it can certainly be the right thing to do. And obviously a lot of value opened up this past week. So maybe that's a bit of a unique situation and we'll see what opens up this week. Well, you just got to go ahead and get these teams that are going to put up 35, 40 points and get, Get all those fantasy points to
1: go with it. I'm going to talk about sticker shock. Devontae Adams, $1,300 more than any other receiver on the slate. And, and rightfully so. I guess he needs to be up there with, it, with the circumstances and what his production has been when he's been healthy. And great call. DK Metcalf will be the leverage. Who is going to pay for him when Tyler Lockage has put oh, up historic numbers? He's 7500 He's the second most expensive God. receiver on the That's slate. Ex-
2: that's expensive, though. That's, see, that's tough.
1: It's so tough.
2: It is. Oh, yeah. I mean, people are going to want to play Lockett at 7,100. How could you not? I mean, I always like Lockett, and then he, he gets 19, 20 targets, whatever he had. <laughs> In one so, game. <laughs> yeah. So, like we said, I, I think any, anything else on the San Francisco side they are liking outside of Kittle? Ayuk, I think, had an okay game. I'm making that up.
1: Yeah, and and you know what? Seattle's been getting smashed by receivers. Uh, Debo is yeah. doubtful, I saw. Debo Samuel, doubtful, expect, okay. expected to miss some time. So that certainly opens the door, and Brandon Ayuk, pretty affordable. I mean, 5800 uh in that game, I mean, Seattle's short-ish week, kind of. Um, I guess you could say, so I don't hate that, but yeah, Kittle. I mean, that's those are two obvious runbacks. Or who knows what's going on in the backfield? The whole McKinnon thing and Jamichael Hasty got some run. It was pretty good, by the way. And we'll have to keep an eye on uh, Mostert's on IR. Yeah, I mean Seattle. What, just what
2: about Hyde? Are we gonna want to play Hyde? Uh, I 5, mean, 5,300.
1: Do you like revenge games? I mean, you yeah. tell me.
2: I mean, because I think Carson's gonna be out for sure, right? I think I saw that he was like week to week or something.
1: 15 carries, saw four targets, which is a lot for him. And I know they were rotating Travis Homer in occasionally, but I you know, I don't hate Hyde. I guess I'm more prone to play him on FanDuel because typically he doesn't catch the ball out of the backfield, right? You know, more right. of a touchdown red zone guy, but I can't fault you for Hyde. I mean, if people are going to go to Jamal Williams a lot, depending on ownership projections, I might be more prone to, well, if I need somebody in that range, maybe drop down to Hyde if he's going to come in. A little bit lower, yeah. That should be a that's a sneaky game, I think. You know, with all the totals and you know, people are like Niners. Well, they're typically pretty good, but Seattle's just on another level. Absolutely on another level. Um, another one I thought is interesting is I guess we should talk about the Rams and the Dolphins. Tua going to make his first start. You know, some more news from earlier this week. I I love Tua. I love seeing the rookies. I'm all about these guys getting their chances. But uh, what a punch in the face to Fitzpatrick, who was playing really well and had this team competitive. And I guess I'm a little surprised in a a season where the Patriots are finally in a lot of trouble for the first time since I've been in, like, first grade, that the Dolphins are kind of right there, that they made the switch when they did. So we'll see what happens And maybe Fitzpatrick gets moved somewhere. I mean, the trade deadline is coming up. You know, lots of rumors in a lot of teams. I I don't know. But regardless, as of right now, the Rams are three-and-a-half point favorites on the road against uh, a guy making his first-ever career start. So uh, I don't know how he's going to affect that offense. We finally saw Devontae Parker have his relevant weeks and Preston Wilson here and there. Um, I don't know. What do you think about that game, and what do you think about the quarterback swap? I agree that the quarterback swap just kind of came out of nowhere
2: to me, right? But, I mean, I guess, obviously, I understand the timing, right? That they, they wanted to do it to have the bye week to prepare. But if that was their plan, it, seem, it seems to me like Fitzpatrick was blindsided by it. So, if that was their plan all along, then, okay, that should have been the plan all along. Like, it just seems so weird that you take a team that – has historically struggled, and they're three and three right now, I think they were coming off of it jets maybe, and then he just gets benched out of nowhere it's it's strange and yeah it's going to be pretty difficult to to predict what's going to happen there with two.
0: keep my eye
2: on that and yeah we ha- we ha- we're recording on Monday we have the Rams Monday night game coming up it's it's always the same. Cast the characters with them right it's it's playing spinning the roulette wheel between Cooper Cuff and Robert Woods and seeing which running back feels like playing on any given week, but uh yeah, I, th- I think that there's a lot of a lot of unknowns in this game, just given the nature of the new quarterback for Miami, given the nature of the Rams and their pretty much historic unpredictability from week to week at this point. So, it I, I don't I don't know that I have a strong – I'll probably mostly avoid this game for this week, but I'll definitely be be keeping an eye on Miami and seeing seeing what that new offense looks like.
1: Yeah, that that should be fun. I'll definitely try to tune in to that one as much as I can. Um, you know, we did, there's a couple of games we didn't cover, and if you want to mention anything in them, you know, Steelers Ravens huge game in the AFC North. 46 and a half total. Um, yeah, that, that's going to be a fun one, too. I Those teams typically pretty much are involved in a, a, a grinder, you know, one of those slug fests. So I guess Deontay Johnson status we have to monitor, right? We, we talked about that a little bit. The guy can't get through fourth quarters, and when he does – He has just a a stranglehold on the target share. How many did he have? I know you had the numbers, or you brought. He had
2: fourteen targets this week. Wow! I mean, yeah, it's ridiculous. When he plays, and if he can stay healthy, I mean, I'm going back to week one. Ten targets, thirteen targets. Then he got hurt for what two weeks, and then comes back and has the massive target, fourteen targets again this week. So. I did see his price came up a bit, though, um, to what? Is he in the sixth K now, I think? Let's see. I oh, don't know, 5,500. 5,500. So keep an eye on him in the injury situation. Baltimore, of course, greatest matchup. And, yeah, I think I agree with what you said, that most people will view this game as more of a more of a grind fest. Two, two good teams. Solid defense is going at it maybe not as much shootout potential as, as some of the other games. so I, th- I think it'll be lower owned in general, but, but probably for good reason.
1: Yeah. And then you got uh, Patriots bills kind of lower total there too. Two teams that are typically, you know, uh, uglier games, I guess. If there's anybody I'm uh, interested in this game, I think you could consider playing digs as a one-off. He had 11 targets, didn't do much with them, but the volume's still there. You know, monitor John Brown, what's going on. There's some guys that of COVID there. So, kind of the same thing from a couple of weeks ago when John Brown was out. Everybody was on digs uh, against the Titans a couple of weeks ago. And, Dig, you know, he was getting every target pretty much every passing situation. So, don't like a ton of that as, as a lineup construction from a hole, I guess. And who knows? There could be some drama throughout the week with Cam Newton and Stidham, and who knows what's going to happen there. I mean, it was brutal over the weekend. So, you know – uh, Cam and company are taking some heat from the Boston media and everything going on there.
2: Yeah, I mean that you don't you don't see the Patriots get beat down like that too often. So I think the the Buffalo New England really interesting for me from a, a real life football perspective. I think it should be a although they've both been struggling a bit. I mean Buffalo, I think kicked six field goals this week. Kind of get into the end zone once. Ugly. So, yeah, I think that – I think both of those games that we just talked about, New England, Buffalo, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, they're better real-life football games than they are fantasy games, in my opinion. So, yeah, uh, but at the same time, any week you want to do a Josh Allen, Stephen Diggs stack, I'm certainly not going to talk you out of it. They They always have upside that they can bring to the table.
1: Yeah, any any other games or anything you want to talk about? You know, we have Saints Bears, and uh, we got the Bears on Monday night. Didn't get there yet. Kind of want to wait to see how things pan out. Obviously, we got to see what's up with Michael Thomas. Hamstring randomly bothering now. I really wonder if there's some more locker room issues there. I I really wonder. He might not be
2: playing again.
1: Something's up there, man. Seems
2: something weird is going on there for sure. In which case, I mean, it's going to continue to be Kamara. In that offense, and, I, uh, I played Traquan Smith in my my cash team along with ten thousand other people this week, and I mean he didn't do much of anything.
1: And uh, Callaway was the Calloway
2: guy. Ate ate it away, right?
1: So let's see what he ended up with. Nice game for him there. Nice game for him.
2: Eleven targets, nine catches, touchdown. And
1: they're so. gonna they're gonna be playing at Chicago. Who? have typically been pretty good against receivers this year too. So um, for me, that game might be kind of a pass unless there's something going on. Um, I guess, you know, obviously consider Kamara every week, no matter who they play, especially if Michael Thomas is out, you know how that is. Um, I'm with you there. Yeah. But we didn't spend a lot of time on the Colts and the Lions. Um, You know, we didn't really bring up the Raiders who were playing the Browns. So, you got anything on either of those two matchups? I'll give you the floor, and then uh, I'll give you my take. And then before we get out of here, I know your birds are playing on Sunday night against the Cowboys in what is hysterically kind of a big game uh, in the Andy Dalton injury. So let me hear anything from the Colts-Lions or on the Raiders, and then uh, we'll go back and forth there, and then I'll let you talk about the Eagles if you want to. I don't want to upset yeah. you on this one. No, <laughs> let's, let's do it. So, yeah, Colts-Lions
2: Colts, – I mean, Kenny Galladay, just always a beast. He was he didn't have much going for a majority of the game this week, but then ended up getting there. What did he end up with? I think he ended up with a pretty – yeah, standard six catches, 114 yards on seven targets. He's still sitting at a nice value at 6,600. Him as a, as a one-off piece in any lineups. There's not a ton – on the indie side, that jumps out to me. I mean, Jonathan Taylor, I think, is kind of settled in as a a pivot running back option on any given week, right? I think that he's never quite the the standout or the chalky play, but he does have a nice role there, and and can be viewed as a pivot. Although he is sixty six hundred, I mean, it's it's hard for me to play that over over like a Kareem Hunt for just a little bit more, so. I think it's really – I guess Hawkinson as well. I think he ended up having a decent game. Hawkinson's sitting there, 5,300 on DraftKings. It's gotten to the end zone this past week. So the majority of the Lions offense is running through those two guys, and that's predominantly where my interests would lie in that game.
1: Makes sense. I really wonder if Jonathan Taylor might be the contrarian move today I mean, this week, whatever, today, this week, same thing. Just because of, you know, you have Henry in a smash spot, Dalvin Cook's coming back, Kareem Hunt's in a great spot. Um, you know, and then the value guys with the injuries are Jamal Williams. People are going to go to him at 61. You know, Carlos Hyde, people are going to go to him if if Carson's out. And uh, Taylor's kind of in this tasty matchup. Hasn't seen more than 13, 13 12 carries, 12 carries, 17, 13 the last couple weeks. Ever since that game against the Vikings in Week Two, where he had 26, you know, he really hasn't seen a ton of volume, but he's been fairly efficient. He's averaged five yards a pop last week, 4.8 against Cleveland, four against Chicago, four and a half against the Jets. So, like when he's touching the ball, he's he's playing well in Detroit, and we talked about it in a couple of pods is super vulnerable against the run. So, I really wonder if they get into game script, which I get it. Like we didn't. We didn't see them, you know, falling behind, again, Cincinnati like they did in week six and things like that. But maybe, I don't know, maybe he's the forgotten guy. I mean, if I can get a contrarian, if I can get ownership on a guy who's still in a pretty good matchup, it doesn't happen too often, right? Like, if there's a good yeah. matchup, there's usually ownership. But I don't know. I'm interested to see how the cards fall there. Yeah, I
2: think it's a nice pivot, nice pivot spot.
1: But Yeah, and for the Raiders, you know, I was thinking about the Browns are giving up a ton of points too now. Pretty bad against receivers, but where's the ball gonna go? You know, in Oakland, it's just Nelson Aguilar is coming back. Here we go, and a couple of big, a couple of big games put together. I don't know where you go there, but I like I can see a one off from that side being in there you know, some good GPP lineups. It's just Renfro's under 4K. You know, what was the ball gonna go there? You know, Darren Waller is the top play in that game in terms of a consistency basis. I think. So, uh, I, you know, we talk about how ugly tight end usually is. So if you're not going Kittle or, of course, Kelsey, I don't mind Darren Waller in, in that game, which should be pretty competitive. You know, 5,600, 1,400 less than Kittle probably has similar upside. So I think he's right in that zone where if you're looking for exposure from a, a good game environment, it could be Darren Waller.
2: Yep, agreed. I think Waller would be my, my favorite play on that side of the ball as well.
1: Cool. That's fair. Talk to me about the Eagles. You know, Eagles-Cowboys, not in the main slate, but I'm sure it'll, it'll draw a ton of showdown interest when that time rolls around. And um, obviously, you know, Andy Dalton, you know, concussion. And what what are we going to see from that game? Who Who's quarterback in Dallas if Andy Dalton's out? Yeah, we've got the, the NFC
2: East leading Eagles. Just playing playing some phenomenal football. I'm sure everyone watched that lovely Thursday night game. I was actually about to turn it off, and then all of a sudden they, they just came back at the end when it seems like things were over. But I mean, they're just so banged up right now. I think Sanders is probably, eh, he seems like he's shaken up to be a game time decision. Ertz is out. I mean, it's just uh, picking up guys off the street for the Eagles, and, and then the Cowboys are in even worse shape. I mean, I actually don't, I'm not even sure who their next man up is at, at quarterback, but it sounds like Dalton could could be in some trouble here. And it'll be interesting to me if if Dalton is out for any substantial time if Dallas tries to make a move for a Fitzpatrick type of thing, or or if they just kinda of throw in the towel on the season. But I mean it it's it's a shame because there are so many fantasy-friendly pieces in that Dallas offense, and when you have or trotting out someone off the street at quarterback, it's tough to play any of them, even Zeke included, so it's going to be a, it's a it's exciting of a game as I would have thought Eagles-Cowboys would have been preseason, but it's still Eagles-Cowboys, I'll still be getting up for it. There'll still be plenty of showdown action to go around for all of us to entertain entertain ourselves with but uh just not high hopes for this division in general it's it's a sad sight and it's almost just like man it, it would almost be easier if if the cowboys were just a clear favorite in the division and then we didn't have to worry about it but then now instead it's like still rooting for the eagles each and every week even though you know that if they make it to the playoffs that they got no shot
1: <laughs> what a difference a couple oh, months makes know. You know. Right. One final note I did want to make. I'm I'm kind of looping back here to, to Detroit. Uh is, you know, their reports were saying DeAndre Swift's gonna get an expanded workload after he had a monster game the week before, and everybody got really excited. And he did lead the backfield in touches for the second straight week, played forty five percent of the snaps. Peterson still had thirty one percent and carry on Johnson, they just won't cut the cord on the guy. Twenty three percent. So still hard to be like, yeah, like, let's roster DeAndre Smith this week, DeAndre Swift this week. Still hasn't seen 50% of the touches in any week. This might be a gradual thing. I don't know. But as long as the Lions are competitive, they obviously brought Peterson in for some unknown reason, uh, which still blows my mind. But he's not going away. So this backfield is still a complete disaster in Detroit, TJ. Yeah,
2: just another one of those where – it's pretty much locked into a committee, and by playing anyone, you're, you're, you're completely rolling the dice and hoping for, for the touchdown variance to go your way, which, which can happen. It's obviously just a, a lower percentage play, more of a dark throw.
1: Got anything else before we head out?
2: No, I think that's about it. Stack up those games, like we said think that there's a a couple this week that that we can go to from a a game stack perspective and it also seems like the friendliest games to stack are are more on the cheaper side in terms of salary so gives you the opportunity to to stack up some cheaper games but also fit in some of the top expensive plays from other games but uh yeah Interesting, interesting week this past one. I think the the chalk hit harder than than we've seen in previous weeks. So we'll we'll see what what injury news emerges. I mean, I feel like the the slate we ended up playing last week was nothing like the slate you and I talked about on Monday with with the GO and the Jamal Williams opening up and the the Trey Smith. So we'll see. Guess uh, guessing game in the NFL every week. But, uh,
1: Especially on a Monday night when you're trying to figure it out, I mean, yeah. we, you know, we didn't, could not guess that news was coming. You know, I went as saw Aaron Jones with game time decision. And I thought, really, didn't didn't right. hear anything about that on Monday. But we do the best we can. Hopefully, helps out. Check us out. Give us a like. Give us some feedback. Subscribe. Download. We appreciate all you guys. Check TJ out on Twitter. TJL five one two four DFS. Give me a follow at the J Carlucci. Send us some DMs, any questions, any feedback. And you know, we're here to help you guys out, as is the rest of our Roto Grinders team for TJ Lasik, I'm Justin Carlucci. Have a great week and good luck, everyone.